welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. So this week, we're looking at part two of a two-part series all about our vision cast as Renew Church New Zealand for 2022. And it became very clear towards the second half of last year where God was leading us this year, which was to, to, to emphasise discipleship, to understand the importance of discipleship, not just as individuals, but as a church to really take following Jesus seriously. And as Jesus calls us to follow, it's not like a stationary mission where we're following Him, where He calls us to go. So we should always be moving. We should always be going to that next step. So in, in four words, this is our priority or our vision for a church for 2022. Take the next step. And I, I shared about this, especially in the area of discipleship last week. And I just want to finish off this week. And we looked at half of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 19. And again, we're going to maybe recap the start of that but then, then sort of unpack the rest of it because it's like a long couple of sentences. This is what Paul says, verse 16, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. See, Paul is so passionate for people to know God better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. I love those verses because it really does define five or six steps for every follower of Jesus to take. Wherever we are on our journey with Jesus, every single one of us is encouraged to take the next step. There is always a next step for us to take. So out of these verses, number one, that you may know Him better. It's not just knowledge about God. It's not just an intellectual knowing about God. It is knowing God personally and intimately. That word for know, that you may know Him better, it's gnosko in the Greek. And it means to know intimately, which was a foreign concept in the people uh, of the day that were listening to this. But it's, it's such an opportunity, it's such a privilege and an honour for all of us to be able to know intimately the Creator of the universe. He wants to hang out with you. He wants you to know Him better and intimately. And the second part of that verse, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened or opened and clear and bright and whole and healed. Now, we, we look at life not really through the eyes of our eyes, <laughs> uh, we sort of do, we, we see things, but really our life is seen through the, the lens and the eyes of our heart, you know, our, our experiences, our, uh, our worldview, our, our hurts, our brokenness. Uh, so we see and, and we have a filter of our life through the brokenness or the healing of our heart. And this is an incredible verse because it says if we get to know God better, then God will heal the eyes of our heart, that we can have a whole heart. We can truly find freedom and have a healed heart. So maybe the first step for you is to maybe know Jesus for the first time, to, to, to know Him and give your life to Him for the very first time. Or maybe if you're honest with yourself, your relationship with Jesus is pretty threadbare at the moment and you do need to know 
Him better, that opportunity is there for you. But then it says that we can surrender our heart to Jesus and then He starts the process of healing the eyes of our heart, that we will see life through His eyes, through healing and wholeness, that we can find true freedom. And the third point, I touched on this last week, but I wanna sort of unpack it more this week. In order or so that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The first thing is God has called you to hope. He's called all of us to hope. There is hope in Jesus. And you may be in a situation where it seems hopeless. In Jesus, it is never hopeless. There is always hope in Him. Cry out to Him today. But we need to read this a little bit more carefully because it says, in order, other translations say, so that. So know God better, have the eyes of your heart opened or enlightened so that you may know the hope to which He has called you. So many people seem to try and, and circumnavigate knowing God better um, and, and healing a heart to discover their call. And I think that's a little bit dangerous because um, first of all, we can do the stuff of God, but not really know Him. And Jesus said, and it's very sobering verses, um, on the last day, he says, well, you did this and you, you even healed people and you cast out demons and you built great churches, whatever, but you never gnoscoed me. You never knew me away from me. So that is a big deal. And also if we discover and walk in our call without having a healed heart, if we still walk with a lot of brokenness, we will inadvertently hurt others. So it's so important to, to know God better and to surrender your heart to the healing process that Jesus gives so that we will know the hope to which He has called us. We have been created on purpose for a purpose with God. We have a hope and that is connected to our calling. You know, we don't just stumble upon life and then sort of find hope. We don't find hope circumstantially, in my opinion. I do think that hope is so connected with finding our part in the body of Christ. And um, as a live stream team after the service last week, this is our lounge church, we were discussing about um, the statistics, how I said that Chris Hodges, a great pastor of a huge church in the States, he was saying about 87% of Christians don't really know where they fit, don't really know their body part. And I just wanted to sort of talk about that a little bit more this morning. And it's sort of described uh, with great detail in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, 14 to 21. This is Paul again, and he really just says the same thing over and over again because he wants us to get this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one body. So it is with the body of Christ. So where you see body of Christ, it means the church. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? It's sort of, my imagination just goes wild with this imagery. I sort of think of like a, a Mike Wazowski off Monsters, like a giant eye <laughs> being the body of Christ. But we see that every single part's important. Verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. See, every part is so 
important. You may say, well, are my toes important? Absolutely, we can't balance without our toes. Even, I'm not suggesting you're like a toenail in the body of Christ, but even in our bodies, like our, our fingernails and toenails, they're there to protect the nerve endings on our digits. Like every part is so important. But if this quote is true, 87% of Christians really don't know what they are called to be, what body part they're at. Just imagine if 87% of my body or your body body didn't really know what it was doing. We'd just be like a, a blob on the floor and not really being effective at all. And maybe that's what our churches are like. If 87% of us don't really know where we fit, just imagine if every single one of us, we knew God better, we had discovered freedom and, and we knew the place and the hope and the calling where we fit. Just imagine how powerful the, the, the church would be and our influence and our impact to this lost world. Charis is an interesting Greek word. It means grace gift. So when we discover where we fit, and I think it's so practical, sometimes it's just trial and error, but we, we do something and then we discover there is um, grace, supernatural enablement on our lives to do a specific thing, whether it's hospitality or serving, or whether it's worship or, or ministry or, or helping people with, with budgeting. Uh, there are so many gifts in the body of Christ. When we find it, then we, we're living in this incredible place of grace where not only we're empowered and blessed, that we bless others. And there is an ease there and we just get so empowered by doing it, helping others. And this is a secular sort of a research, but psychologists believe that the highest level of joy and fulfillment in the human heart is when you make a difference in other people's lives. When we as followers of Jesus find where we fit, in church, we find where we fit in the body of Christ and we start serving others out of that with the grace that Jesus gives that gives us to do that. Other people get impacted. We know that we're doing something of eternal value and, and, and we are fulfilled, truly fulfilled. So if we don't discover that or pursue that, we will spend our whole lives pursuing things and pursuits that really don't matter a whole lot in the light of eternity. You, you will try and find fulfillment and joy and happiness and fame and fortune and money, wealth. And Let's just follow Jesus, know Him better, find freedom and then serve it in the place where God's created us to serve. And then it says, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. We can partake in Jesus' inheritance which is amazing, it's not just ours alone. It says in His holy people or with God's people, God's plan for us is to be connected into a community of Jesus followers, a local church. I love the church. And I think through this sort of epidemic and, and sort of the ups and downs, we've realised that church is not a building, it's not a program, it's not a service, it's people. And we get to hang out and join with two or more of our church community and, and we can still uh, do church and do life well and be inspired to then go and make a difference to our world. Um, Psalm 92 verse 12 to 14 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, planted in church. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. So as we're planted in the house of the Lord, we, we flourish in the courts of our God. The courts were outside um, of the four walls of the building of, of the temple. So as we do this, we flourish and then we make an impact 
in society, which is really exciting. And again, like I said, it's Jesus' inheritance. Psalm 2 verse 8 prophetically talks about, uh, it's, it's the father talking to, to the son. And it says, ask me and I will make you the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. So we get to partake in this incredible, glorious inheritance with Jesus, which is people everywhere, seeing people saved and set free and playing our part in the disciple-making process. Is there anything more exciting in life than that? And that's, that's there for all of us. And then lastly, it says, so the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. That word power there is dunamis, which means the supernatural, the tangible, real, powerful, supernatural power of God. It's available for all of us. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, You will receive power, dunamis, like the supernatural power of God, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is pretty much New Zealand from Israel. So isn't that exciting? Isn't that something worth pursuing? Now, let's not uh, reduce our Christian faith to, to intellect and to knowledge. There is a very real component about our lives where we get uh, given power from God so that we can actually go and do what He's called us to do a supernatural component to our life. I reckon it should be a normal part of every, the life of every believer. And if it's not, this could be the next step. Start to get passionate for that. Start to get hungry for that. Start to ask people to pray for you for that. Like I said a couple of weeks back, seek personal revival at all costs. I mean, I just couldn't do this. I couldn't do life without the power of God. Uh, for those of you guys that know me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm quite shy and so often I put my, my foot in my mouth when I say things. To do something live like this for like 20 minutes and to not just absolutely make a train wreck of it, that is not, that's absolutely proof of the supernatural power of God. But again, it's finding our, our part, what body part we are in the body of Christ and then, then doing that, serving others with that, with this grace, this supernatural enablement that God gives us. And again, let's be reminded of that personal revival message series that I gave. Maybe God is encouraging you to be that spark to set people on fire with Jesus again. You know, you can't light a fire with a wet match. Uh, so we absolutely need to be on fire for Jesus ourselves. So just wrapping up now, conclusion, what is the next step God is calling you to take? Because there is always a next step. What is the next step God is calling you to take? Because there is always a next step. Just based on that, those verses in Ephesians, Give your life to Jesus. If you haven't already, please give your life to Jesus. He loves you. We've been singing about it today. He died for you. He rose again. He broke the curse of sin and death. You don't have to spend eternity in hell. He loves you so much. He's given you the gift of Himself, the gift of forgiveness and redemption and saving. You can give your life to Jesus. You can ask for your sins to be forgiven and He washes those sins away. 
He, he makes you a new creation. You can be absolutely assured that you'll be going to heaven to spend eternity with Jesus in the ages to come. That's so amazing, isn't it? Say yes to Him today if you haven't already. Maybe the next step is like I said at the start, you, you, you've done that, you've given your life to Jesus, but if you're really honest, you haven't really got a close relationship with Jesus at the moment. There is no condemnation in Him, by the way. He's got His arms open wide. He's just welcoming you back into having an intimate relationship with Him today. But I think there is, there is a bit of discipline with that. It's actually, instead of just fitting Him in in little chunks throughout the day, make it a priority. Set your alarm earlier. Go to bed earlier. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order my life and my day around my relationship with God. Open your heart to healing and wholeness, find freedom. We go to God for forgiveness, but God has given us His people in which we can go and find help and healing. We just need to reach out. We just need to say, look, I'm not having a good time. I need help. I need some hope. Please pray for me. And then we open up our hearts to, to finding freedom and, and true, true wholeness, which is amazing. Maybe that's the next step for you to take. Discover your calling and your purpose, which gives hope and always involves blessing others. Now, I don't know why people aren't falling over themselves to get on a service team because you get to play a part in the disciple making process uh, to, to do something of eternal value. If that's you today, if you're a part of a new church and if you haven't said, I'm, I'm keen to serve. Now we need a lot more people even serving here on a Sunday so that we can give our awesome team a break, um, whether it's kids ministry or leadership or, or serving, whichever area. Discover your calling. And so often it's by trial and error but just say, yes, I, I want to get involved. Uh, where can I get involved? Commit to church community. Be planted in and flourish in God's house. I do believe that being planted in is, is such an amazing environment for you to discover the best you, uh, the you that God has created you to be. And remember, it's not just about uh, being isolated and exclu exclusive to the church. Then we, we spill out into this community, into the courts, into this world to make a difference. And then lastly, to live a power, grace-filled life, playing your part in making disciples of all nations. Every single one of us, uh, whether we have never given our life to Jesus today or whether we've been disciples of Jesus for 50 years, we can take one of those next steps um, proactively and practically today. Um, whether you're young or whether you're old or whether you're somewhere in between, um, it says here in that verse that uh, even if you're old, then there is still an amazing place for you to be in the body of Christ. See, our age never ever disqualifies us uh, for take, for, from taking the next step from God. You're never too young. You're never too old. You're never too broken to take the next step because maybe that step for you is, God, I need my heart to be healed. I've gone through something and it hurts. I've got pain, but you can take that next step. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.